Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to this week's Under the Noise with me, Wynne Morgan, and my co-host, Kate Roberts. Hi, Kate. Hi. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Wynne? I'm really well, too. Thanks very much. And today we're delighted to have joining us the wonderful Erica Bugby, who, in just the preamble, the <laughs> chat that we had before we started recording, Erica, I hope I'm not oversharing now, is that you said, well, maybe we're weird in the same way, Win, And I went, yeah, I think that's true. Because I remember the number of times that we've had conversations and it's just been fun. And always I get a sense of clarity when I listen to you in the way that you see things and the way that you work with people that I really enjoy. Good, good. Ditto. So Erica, we're going to put you on the spot right now with the first question. Great. <laughs> Someone who's never met you before, how would you tell them about what you're up to in the world? Um, well, I specialize in teenagers, but that's about half of my practice. Um, and then the other half is uh, either regular people, adults, um, or parents. And, and, and primarily what I do with people is, is I, I help them understand, make sense of what happens inside the human mind using theirs as just one example. Because uh, I think, you know, teenagers may be more so, but I, I think everybody, um, everybody feels a little weird. Everybody feels like the rest of the world has it together in certain ways or works in certain ways. And then I'm over here in my weirdness and I'm um, just things that you hope nobody ever finds out about you or, or all of a sudden you'll have no friends or, you know, that just there's, there's, and, and that that's a universal, that's part of the human, the normal human experience. Uh, it's just nobody says it out loud because they don't want anybody to be onto them, but it does. Um, that's one of the things you can do from the outside. You have the vantage point of being able to see uh, what's on the inside of everybody's head. So you can say, actually, you know, you're doing what everybody else is doing, but nobody else talks about it except maybe to me, if they go to somebody or to you, to you, you guys or to coaches or so, so there's something, um, there's sort of the illusion of being weird and isolated and broken um, or defective uh, that happens as part of the human experience. And that experience is normal and typical and everybody does it. So it's a, it's a funny thing to live in the human experience, have that be something that your thought does and looks very convincing that you're the only one. Um, and it, and it, you feel exactly like you're the only one because that's how, how convincing reality and thought is. So, so that's partly my job is to just take a, is to show people like here, come over here where I'm standing and let me tell you about the adult I just talked to an hour ago and the last 10 that I've talked to this week so, and just their version of the insecurity they have or the self-consciousness or putting pressure on themselves or thinking they're weird, being impulsive. So, so that's sort of my job is as a tour guide to show them how they fit into the landscape. It's just another garden variety, bunch of crazy that, that manifests in very similar ways uh, as everybody else. So it it's provides, I think, at least for me, when I learned about this for myself, um, it's 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 very reassuring. There's something about being weird or crazy or struggling in certain ways, and then all of a sudden finding out that somebody else does. You know, you finally share it with a friend, and they say, "Oh, I did, I did the same thing when I was younger," or "My dad went through that." There's something. It doesn't even matter that you have the crazy. 
And I think it's the same thing is true when you go through things in life, like a trauma or a breakup or you getting fired or having something really unfair happening to you, getting a, a health condition or um, that you find out that everybody goes through it. And it's, it's also unfair for them or it's also doesn't mean that they're broken either. It just looks like that from the inside, but on the outside, it's just that those are things that happen to people. It puts people's minds at ease and you don't have to change the circumstances in order to get the peace of mind while you're going through those things. I think that's one of the reasons that, at least for myself, that I love media like music and movies and, and all the amazing TV series they have now uh, coming from all these different people that whatever you're going through, someone else is singing about it, made a movie about it, talking about it. And it, and it doesn't matter how out there you are. So it just, that's, that's what got me through my teen years was music and listening to people talk, you know, capture the sentiment of what I was going through. It, I don't know, somehow it just like neutralizes it in a way where it makes it manageable, something I can handle. And it makes it, it makes it just a fact that then I just navigate instead of something I, I, I react to so much. I remember such relief in what you've just shared. When I saw that for myself, what I thought, my unique version of crazy when I realized that there was nothing unique about it that was totally human. The relief I got from that yeah. was just like, wait a minute, so that doesn't mean I'm the one crazy guy out of... 8 billion. I literally did think that. And then just it, that, as you said, it normalizes, it humanized me to a place where I was no longer in my head about all the things I thought was uniquely weird. Right. And you're not anymore looking at the prospect of going through life with this, you know, broken system. Because right. it's very disturbing when you see your reaction to something or you see your life's messed up or there's something very disturbing. I'm not just that you're broken, but that you're, that's the vehicle that you're going to be traveling through all of life with. You just get the one as far as I know. And, and so it's, it's, it just, it takes, it takes, you know, thoughts about the future and yourself. It just takes all of that out. And as it happens, the system works in such a way for everybody that, when you take the worry and the, you know, all the reaction and the panic about your broken system uh, out of the, out of the air, you have this amazing creative process that can just get in and start handling things. There's all this resilience that comes out and problem solving skills and troubleshooting that happens when you take the panic out of there. That's what happened for me. Because when I stopped panicking about myself, I kind of just took it as a fact of like, all right, so I'm really emotional and that's creating problems and I'm broken in my future. Once I stop panicking about it, I just, I don't know. I just, there's some grace that comes with just, all right, so this is happening. I remember last year when, when COVID started, I was, I decided to paint my kitchen on my summer break. I take a big long summer holiday and I love to take on a household project. So I decided to paint my kitchen and I spent you know, it probably took me three times longer than I thought. You have to take everything that way anyway. And everybody's painted something. So, so I put all these like weeks and weeks of time into it. And the last wall, um, I, I decided I could cram the night that I, I basically finished the whole project, but I had one wall left. And rather than wait till the next day, which was the plan, I thought, I'm just going to knock it out right now. And the lighting wasn't great, but you know, it was getting dark out. And anyway, I painted it and I, and then I got this burst of energy and I cleaned everything up and so that we could come in in the morning and see our new kitchen. Well, I came in in the morning and I'd done a horrible job because the lighting was bad. So I'd missed parts of the wall. I painted over some of the trees, brush marks. They have a, a lab, a, a, a dog and there's a couple of Labrador retriever hairs painted into the wall. And of course, it, I, I saved the most important wall for last, the one you see. And 
I was so, I was devastated because I so wanted to look clean and refreshing and exciting and new. And instead I was mad at myself. I was annoyed that I kind of got impatient. I just, I just was in a, and now it's going to look like this for 10 years because that's how long it takes us to repaint. And, and I think, I think I did that for, you know, that day. But then the next day I kind of, I got up and I was fine. I repainted, it was not a big deal. But that reaction that I had is oftentimes what we live in. We spend a huge amount of our type, time living in that. It's not so much having the bad wall and the, and the bad paint job. It's all the stuff you do in the wake of that. I was just, I was so mad at myself and like I cleaned everything and it takes forever to clean the paint off of roller brushes. And it just, everything took so long and the taping and why did I do that? I could have just done and it. How long we spend there is, there's all this variability and we have huge influence over that. And it turns out that that's really the problem with the wall in that situation. It's not the wall itself is whatever, you do with that the frustration or the disappointment and how long you you stay in there depends you know you have free will you can do that for like a week i did it for a day but sometimes i'm the person obsessing for the week and finally after week i'm like why don't i just get over it accept that it happened and then fix it but that's that's where the that's where people need people like us help is is not with the dealing with the wall it's dealing with the aftermath of whatever stamp we put on it and and I thought I was kind of laughing at myself because I was just a big baby the first day I kind of felt like I worked really hard I deserved like a perfect finished look and I sort of felt like I don't know somebody did that to me and I just had myself to blame so it was and, and I think in a way that's sort of the generic problem with humanity. And, and, and one of the things that I share with teenagers, it's so helpful. It's just, it's not so much your life, but your, your hormones and your emotions just make a really big deal. They sort of take creative license and the event itself isn't, it's what happens when you, right after the event, what you do in the wake of that and using music and me and my painting tantrum to show them, here's what I do. You're self-conscious and do that for a long time. It's not your outfit, it's the self-conscious, where your mind goes and how long you're gonna do that for. And some people, adults do it in different ways and Nirvana and Metallica, they, they go really into darkness or, so it's, it's somehow reassuring that that's all everybody's doing and that we have some say over that process. It's such a, it's just such a human thing. And, and it's funny later, it's not funny at the time, but it's always something you can look back and see, okay, I maybe made that, I had some part in making that much harder on myself than it needed to be. I had a vivid memory when you were talking <laughs> then when I was in my, I guess, mid-teens, there was a band here in the UK, The Smiths. Mm -hmm. And The Smiths were really well known for um, Morrissey's lyrics being very depressing, right? Mm -hmm. And I first heard the song, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now. I think I was 14, I went, oh, at last somebody gets me. Yeah. It was just fascinating. And the reason I find it amusing now, and I'm delighted to find it amusing now, is that I find the notion of that lyric now making absolutely zero sense. But at the time, it was so helpful. Yeah. To connect with something. Yeah, and I think, too, it's somehow when you, you get around somebody else you connect to somebody else either through music or in a coaching conversation or just with a friend um and you get out of your own whatever you're going through and you see somebody else goes through it too you can see oh 
Well, they do have some say, there is the valve someplace in their head of how long they, they're gonna do that for. And sometimes it just takes us for a ride, you know, when you can't sleep in the middle of the night and you can't get out of your head. Like, I don't know where that valve is. <laughs> if somebody finds it, please tell me. But, but the, there's a lot of sort of a, acute reactions that we have that are just like fireworks, they just go off. And, and, but a lot of it is sort of man-made the chronic nature of things, you know, sometimes we just, know, we just don't know any better. We just coming, keep coming back and obsessing about something. And when we see it in somebody else, it looks like, well, they have something to do with that. There's sort of a relationship between what their mind is doing and how they want to handle that, that, that calms us down. We see, well, if they can do that, then, uh, you know, I suppose I can do that. And to be able to look and see, yeah, there are times that I, decide that's enough I'm not thinking about that anymore or you're holding a grudge and then I don't know someday you just decide you're going to let that person back in so there are so many moments where we can see ourselves uh, all of a sudden having a change of heart and seeing being able to pivot about a situation and the circumstance and the circumstance hasn't changed at all yet we have a completely new experience of it and, and the ability to do that as soon as we wake up to it and see, well, other people are doing that. When you watch somebody else hold a grudge longer than you about something, it's really easy to see that we have influence. And as soon as we see how we're using it, we're all, we're all doing that in the areas where we're graceful and our friends aren't, siblings or whatever. Uh, that's, it's very, it's, it's, it's hopeful even if we can't seem to use it, you know, for our free will, we can't, and we can't find that change of heart we're looking for. Just knowing that something can shift inside of us and change the way we feel about something, how much something affects us, that it's not up to the situation, it's, it's something that happens inside, is just very hopeful and reassuring and makes us feel like, well, it doesn't feel different today, but it might feel different tomorrow. That's what I did with the paint. I was like, this is stupid. Everything's stupid. I'm stupid. My family's stupid. <laughs> Everybody was, but I knew I'm just frustrated and I'm just having kind of a tantrum. Something reassuring about feeling like you'll wake up the next day or soon and you'll, you'll, see what to do about it. You'll feel differently about it. You'll get over it. That I just find calming yeah. and makes life tolerable. One thing in, in that, I remember I was doing a lot of training and coaching with this one company that included the, uh, the, to the two joint owners and founders of the company. And one of them, I really connected well with. We got on really well. There was one thing about him, though, that I found peculiar, is that if any one of his, I don't know, they might have had 320-odd full-time employees, if any one of them did something he didn't like, he'd never get over it. Mm -hmm. They were done. And sometimes it wouldn't be a really, in my mind, in listening to him telling me about their, his employees and even at the board level, I thought, well, how come that's such a big deal that that would be, that that would taint that person in, in, in the owner's mind so much? And I thought, what the heck's going on? And I just was, I remember driving back from seeing him at his home and I was driving back and noticing that how come he's so good at holding grudges? And then instantly I went, wait a minute, I do that. Mm -hmm. And instantly I went, oh, why the heck would I do that? And it changed me. Yeah. I saw my my own kind of um, nonsense, really, my own crazy, in seeing what you what what he was doing. And it goes back to what you said about the TV shows, the movies, the songs, the art that we notice, and then we can, without even trying to change it, without any choice or willpower, often we just notice things and that insight changes us right in a beautiful way yeah yes 
it's interesting because we don't know if you and I switched heads, I don't know what in your life would be a problem for me. There's things I would let go that you hang on to and obsess over, take really hard. And like, I, that's, this wasn't supposed to go like this. And I said, well, that's just how it goes. And then there'd be things that you handle well that I would trip over. Hey, it's so interesting. Yeah. It's, and I think that what I like about it is that, first of all, it makes people fascinating. If somebody tells you their life, I have no idea what kind of story, if it's going to be, you know, how they are going to feel about their life. It could feel like a triumph or they survived and they're proud or they could feel victimized. You just have no idea. And I think in the sense, um, it takes a little bit of the seriousness out of it in a way, because I don't know who's doing that. I don't know who makes those. Somebody sitting at a desk making those decisions. What's going to bother Wynn and Kate in their lives and what's going to bother Eric? I don't know who's making those decisions. Uh, you know, I think it just, it's like genetics. It just seems to play out in random ways. And there's these mutations that I think it, we're not deciding. We're just at the effect of the system. And it really helps to see it, it seems like my rules are the right set of rules. The things that I'm holding grudges about, those are like real offenses. Those are misdemeanors. Those right there, those aren't even rules. I don't know what you call those. Those are just somebody being uptight. Mine is, my rules are really matter and are important or the right ones. It really feels like that. What other people get uptight about is stupid and the things we get uptight about are real things. There's something I find, even though you can see the arbitrariness of it, you're still at the, at the mercy of the system, which I think makes this, the science behind thought and the consciousness that brings it to life. And it's so stuck on your face. Uh, you can't even tell it's thought. I just find that fascinating. And it, and it adds a little bit of uh, humor to know this is art, really. It's not even science in a way, it's art. So that your experience looks more like a, you know, more like a painting than a photograph. What bothers you, it's, it's very, you know, it, it looks made up in the, bit, in the grand scheme of things, which, which helps you not take yourself and your grudges so seriously once you can get a little bit of distance. Erica, is there a way that you explain this to, I guess specifically teenagers, that allows them to see that it is thought that the temporary nature of it, something that creates that space between the thought and believing that thought? Like, is there something that hits teenagers more than adults when you have the conversation? Yeah, I, I, I do. Just a, that's a common point that I make with teenagers. The, the, the fact that it's temporary, um, partly because it's so easy for them to see it because their reality is so intense that it's really easy to see the contrast of obsessing, feeling uh, really down on yourself for, you know, making a stupid play in the sport you're, you know, that you really are passionate about or um, the, the things that we do, making a mistake, not doing well on a test or saying something that, you know, makes you sound stupid. There's a lot of mistakes that we make that we're obsessed about them and teenagers will say this, they'll feel really differently um, Friday afternoon and then they wake up Saturday and they, you know, they have their parents are like, well, what are you gonna do about that? Cause they just completely fell apart. And it's like, my life is over. Like, I, I can't see anything through, I'm impulsive. This is, and they're just in a state of crisis. 
And then Saturday, they're like, I don't know, mom, I can't really deal with that. Like, it's really not a big deal. Like they've, they've already come to peace with it. And, and, and the thing I think is great about teenagers is they typically don't talk about it with anybody. They'll, they don't, you know, for most teenagers, when they have problems that are problems we would have a really hard time navigating, most of the time what they do is they go out and hang out with their friends. They don't talk about it and they don't think about it. And somehow it changes form in the back of their mind. And they seem to, you know, when I ask them about it next week, they say, well, I just, you know, did this, you know, Monday I, I did this. They kind of have their fix. It just came to them later. And, and so in that sense, shining a light on the fact that they do that, have a problem and they feel one way about something and nothing happens the event's the same, their life's the same, they're the same, but they feel completely differently. Um, it, it happens constantly with them. And it's easy for them to see it in themselves and their friends once you point it out. Sometimes you have to take it away from whatever, you know, you have to get out of the file of their active problems because they just look equally scary all the time and, and look at smaller things, the more mundane, the stuff they do every day. Uh, or things that happened six months ago, or that for them to look and see that, that that's true. You know, the things we're stuck in now definitely don't feel temporary for any of us, your things, their things, but all the other stuff looks temporary. So it's not a stretch for them to see these are gonna be next year's temporary problems. It's hard for them to imagine that just like it's hard for us to think tomorrow anything is going to look different when we're really down about something so it gets getting their mind open and looking at sort of the laws of thought and the laws of how problems i don't know at some point they're in our rear view mirror and these will be too it them seeing that for themselves you don't have to talk them into it or explain it you just have to point out that that's been happening their whole life without them doing anything. It's just a, I don't know, it's kind of a, a right you're born into. Mm. It's like a, a law that happens to you. If, if you are human and you have thought, that's something that's working for you that, that reassures them so that they don't have to, they don't have to take our words for it. They can just see it for themselves. That, that's that's how I learned. I didn't really trust adults because they were so stable and I was so unstable that they just looked like they were like, might as well have been from different countries because mm-hmm. they seemed like they operated so differently than me. So, But once a few of these things got pointed out and I started looking for myself over those next few months, I saw, oh, that is true. And actually this problem gets has moments where it's a little less intense. So that's kind of how I, teenagers take to this so well, which Mm -hmm. is one of the reasons I love working with them. They're such quick studies. Is this all making sense so far? Um, What I'm I'm laying out here? Mm It's funny because I think I had talked to this woman the other day that she was asking me about a program that I'm, a training that I'm doing in, in January. And, and so she's, you know, seeing, trying to see if it's a good fit for her. And it was such a cool conversation because, you know, she started asking me about the training. And then as an aside, she says, you know, I'm sort of, you know, I'm on the fence about it because I have you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going through, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going in the process of starting to go through a divorce. And which means that I have to completely regroup about my finances and my career. I'm basically just got the rug pulled out from under me and my, my teenager, I have an 18 year old that is troubled yet won't talk to me. So I'm in a house with a teenager that won't talk to me. So she's kind of painting the picture and, and, 
you know, as we start talking about it, you know, if you, if you give somebody a, a few minutes, we didn't get into it so much, but I could tell there's this sort of the, you know, we tend to get into a few flavors when all of a sudden things go wrong, where we have our habits that kick in, I don't know where, where she was going, but in my mind, what I often hear in people in those situations is they get stuck in the kind of like, this was not supposed to happen. And they kind of get shooken up and sort of, they can't get their bearings because they, they, they're shocked. This was not on the brochure. They feel sort of betrayed or lied to and, or they feel sort of disappointed in themselves or, you know, disappointed in, you know, the people, you know, the, the people in their lives that are part of it, they kind of get into blame. And what's so interesting is that I said, you know, basically she was saying, well, I, I can't tell if I should like do this training. It's hard because you're in the middle of a crisis. You don't know which end is up and then you have to make decisions and parent and file divorce papers. Like it's kind of a mean trick to debilitate us the most mentally at the very time when, you know, in crises. But, but one of the things I said is, you know, well, you just, you know, I don't know the answer to that because your answer might be different than mine. Um, but you will at some point as the dust settles, this will either seem like a good idea or not. And our minds seem to do that on their own. You can be in a state of crisis and be stuck in whatever habit grips you in the wake of your crises. And where things going wrong, you have your probably your go-to flavor that you do but you know that at some point you'll have some sensible thought that tells you here, go, come on, come on over here. And, and I didn't have any doubt that she'd have her clarity and I don't even know her, but it's true for all of us. And so in a way it doesn't matter how much or how long we get into our reactions. And uh, at some point we come out the other side. And it, it, what difference does it make? We got nothing to do but kill time here anyway. We might as well, you know, just it's, you're going to see it, and then at that point you'll regroup. So it's it's. I think that's part of the fun of our jobs is we have complete faith that people will sort things out themselves. In the meantime, if you can give them the reassurance that that's a system, it's an answer creating system, in there. Um, you just got to sometimes give it a little time. And in the meantime, here's, you know, if you can get your head calm down the emotional side of you a little bit, it tends to pop out answers a little faster. Um, there's no burnout in this field because you don't worry about people sorting things out. You know, the clock is already ticking and there, there's going to be a reset here any, any minute, any, any day. So it makes, it makes our jobs really fun and, and exciting and it, there's no fear built into it the way it is for them. My uh, daughter and I have used that word reset for years. And I'm sure it's because I said it to her, you know, like, I'm just gonna go to bed and reset. It'll, it'll feel different tomorrow. And there's a, a sense that things will calm down and look differently, right. but it's temporary. And so right. even at a young age, we would use that word, right? And I got her a t-shirt um, and she would hang it up. And this one t-shirt is the t-shirt she would put on if she was having a hard night and just couldn't see past whatever was happening. She'd wear the shirt to bed. Right. And it said- Oh, that's uh, so cute. Yeah, it's something kind of tangible for her, you know, as she's young. And uh, it said, not to ruin the ending, but it's going to be okay. And she would wear the shirt. <laughs> so I would know that she's having a hard night if she came out wearing the shirt. That's um, really cute. She's like, I'm okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go reset. And she's, she's off to reset. And so there's a sense of it not lasting forever that she even gets at a very young age. Yeah. And if it wasn't so built into our biology, it would take a lot more convincing than that. It just, you don't have to explain that t-shirt to anybody. 
everybody gets exactly what that's talking about. That's what I think is so amazing is it, it, we are, we are, the system is, is so self-evident once you get a look at the mechanics of it, the, the bone structure. It's so uh, intuitive and it's not, a, it's not, a, it doesn't take a leap of faith. It just takes looking to see, is that true? Yeah, that's true. Every time, I don't know about this batch, but if it's always been true and in, 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 in that you don't have to have any special talent or skill, you don't have to be a particularly resilient person. You don't have to have a certain upbringing or you don't have to have good modeling in your head. It doesn't even really matter what your family was like or how you've been up till now. It's, it's a system that works for everybody. I, 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 um, I'm a huge Stephen Wright fan. I don't know if you guys know Stephen Wright, the, com the comedian, but mm -hmm. uh, he, he had this great quote that was um, that, that depression is just anger without enthusiasm. It's, it's, and I know other people have had their variations of that, but you know, I realize it's in a way, it's exactly what that woman was going through and about the training, wondering if she should do the training and here's all these things that happened to me. And, and I don't know how she would describe it, but it, it's exactly what I went through when I painted that wall. It was always, I was so, you know, I wasn't particularly angry. I was bummed out. I was down on me and down on the wall and down on my kitchen. And it somehow that became like a metaphor for my life. You know, that night I was just really down on anything that you walked up and talked to me about. I was going to be down on that. And in, in, in a way, whether it, uh, people get that sort of the sort of generic problem that I see with so many teenagers and people, it doesn't matter what country, how old they are, what their what the content of their problem is, it what I see people woven through people's struggles is sort of a just being really down and sort of in either it looks like des feeling uh, desperation or discouraged or just down, low, uh, bummed out, what's the point? You're kind of giving up. And, and that, that's what happens is it's kind of, um, you would be outraged, but now you're just kind of, I don't know what to do about it. So you just kind of go numb or withdraw. And I think that's Stephen Wright just hit it perfectly. Is it, if you just infuse outrage or feeling into your process in the wake of your wall, it would, it would come out as anger. And, and that's what I think is so interesting is that, that it doesn't, um, when we get bummed out or when, you know, the things that we struggle with about life are just our reaction that we live in and it just becomes sort of white noise that, that we live in when things go wrong. We just kind of get this blanket low. In a way, I'd rather have anger and get it out, but it doesn't work like that. Oftentimes you just kind of live in this really dark outlook, sometimes for weeks or months or years about certain things. And, and I think uh, it, it doesn't, it's so recognizable in other people once you start looking for it and you see, oh, this is just my flavor. So I think it's, it's hopeful because when you have teenagers, young people, um, they can see your confidence that this will look different. You don't have to do anything, just sit there, go about your evening and you'll feel differently and you'll be somebody that can handle this is when they see in it, you know, they hear that from other people, they don't even have to be able to find that feeling for themselves. They can see your confidence and they, they see that's good enough for them. Other people, our friends' confidence kind of rubs off on us. We can just draft on their well-being and sort of abandon ours.
we do have the ability to see that maybe we don't know what we're talking about. Maybe we're skewed, biased. It's, that's what's so great about being human is there's examples of people, examples of what you're going through all around you and people that are going through it all the time. So help is not far away. So if you're listening to this and it looks like there's something particularly challenging going on for you right now and to a phrase, Erica, that you used before we started recording today, which was, you know, if the rug's been pulled from under our feet in life. It's great to know that how things look and how we feel will not remain the same impossible for it to it will change and you know exactly to, to something else that you've said is that inevitably we will settle down and inevitably in that settling down and underneath the white noise that you point to underneath that noise naturally in the bones of our system as being a human being is the capacity for fresh ideas, the capacity for fresh thought, the capacity even just to see it as, wait a minute, this was a big deal. Now it doesn't seem such a big deal. All of that, the realm of the pliability of how we feel right now is a wonderful thing to remember when it feels like, what the heck is going on in my life? If that were ever, wherever, we're in that space and in that place, we know that this is the a temporary experience. Well, and just to piggyback on that before we wrap up, if it's okay, is that for me, at least, there's been two things that have helped me, you know, kind of takeaways that I've had about everything we're talking about that just for some reason, they're always kind of in the background of my head helping me through two insights I had. One is that you can kind of not like what's happening and have judgment and opinion and reaction to it. When that settles down, you're just going to be left with, so that happened. So this is happening. Just, you know, if you have teenagers, you just, you know, or you go through one of those phases where everything goes wrong. One of those years where at some point you're like, it's just funny. You're like, okay, so this is happening. So my car and my refrigerator died in the same like week. You, you sort of, you know, at some point you get over the outrage and over the depression and over the, what am I going to do? And you just kind of, I don't know, you just sort of throw your hands up and, and, or you get to where, all right, let me, I'm done freaking out about it. What am I going to do? You kind of, you kind of go into first, you know, you go into gear and handle it. And that me realizing, well, I could do that now if I want I could just get to the okay so what am I going to do which is what you know when people when I have a deadline I do great because I know okay what needs to happen I'm not freaking out about it I'm not going to blame I'm just so that so so this is happening and just seeing it as a neutral fact that's what I'm interested in I'm not, not interested in the rest and and the other part of it in asking myself well how do I get there faster is the asking myself, all right, so what else is there besides my reaction to it? So I'm freaked out and it's not right. And it's this person's fault and they're getting away with it. I kind of have to like, all right, I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with that later. What else besides those? Because those aren't really taking me anywhere productive. Somehow asking myself, all right, yeah, it's not fair. And I, yeah, I have no idea what to do. What else is there? Um, that asking myself that and the looking for just, can I get to where it's just a fact? Those things for me uh, help ground me in some kind of coherent thought. So at least I'm looking for something other than my uh, emotional state, my volatile emotional state seems to be as it's like a lighthouse in the storm there's somehow there's something in us that seems to some some way of settling ourselves or relating to what happens that keeps us grounded that, that's that's kind of what it's like. I think everybody probably has their way of doing it or the t-shirt like your daughter 
it's such a, a great story uh, that everybody kind of has their way, but we're all essentially, they would all sound the same if we got into a room and shared ours, basically sound like we're doing the same thing. I love how I love how you see teenagers and adults as no different in our experience. And um, so many people see teenagers as um, almost like this separate thing that somehow we've forgotten what that was like in a way that um, it seems more challenging or it seems completely different. And yet you seem to really get to the heart of the fact that this is only ever the same thing going on for everyone. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I think that it's a, it's a really common idea that they're sort of made of different materials and they're just like came from a completely different kit. But it, it's teenagers get that feeling themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really, um, you'd be, you know, it's unnerving for them to feel like there's something wrong with them that, that doesn't apply to all the problems adults are having. So nobody can help them because they have a different kit They're made of different stuff. So, but I do, I think we said this maybe before the recording started, but the teenagers, I, I find if you, if you tone, if you turn the volume down on their reactions and you take some of the intensity out of it, you get an adult. We just do it inside of our heads most of the time, except on social media. But, you know, if you, you know, if you went to a party or a grocery store, or you were getting ready for a party, you'd see, um, you know, insecurity, dread, I just want to stay home where it's comfortable. If you go to the grocery store, you see, you know, judgment and um, self-consciousness and all those things. It's just, we get, you know, we just learn how to sort of restrain ourselves and, you know, it's sort of watered down because we have to go to work every day and function and there's no space for that. Where are you going to, you know, have to clean something up if you blurt? We just, and we don't have the hormones, so it's not as intense. But, but if you, you know, if you put us on, uh, if you turned up the volume on our emotions, we would look exactly like teenagers. And, and, it, and, and what's more, uh, we'd have to get used to handling all the people around us with the volume turned up on their emotions. So all of a sudden we would look just as volatile and out of control and fragile as teenagers often do because we'd have people turning on us not just inside their heads and judging us. And so it's in a way, you know, teenagers are kind of an amazing specimen to watch because they're, they're surprisingly graceful. The fact that they can sit, go, be in school uh, with a, a bunch of people that are as unstable as they are um, and, and, and sit there and try and apply themselves, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> given how loud it is in there once you spend some time getting to hear what they're doing um, and, and how much feeling there is and they don't have any experience handling it. So in a way, I think all of us would look really badly if we, if we switched heads with teenagers. I don't think we would handle it as gracefully as they do. Mm. They're just dealing with so much more, but it is. It's one of the things I love about teenagers. It's kind of like listening to you know, a band, uh, the emotion is so raw and they just know how to express it. And you sit down and you listen to a teenager, the kind of things they say could be taken out of any of our, you know, inner dialogue inside our heads if, if we were honest about it. So I, I find them to be very refreshing and, 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 and candid. And I think that it's, it's they are, very much um, 
they're learning all this stuff that adults have to learn how to navigate. They're just in a boot camp situation where it's really intense and louder and all happening at the same time. So they, you know, that then we come out and we're actually able to navigate life. The hormones calm down and there's just a little less uncertainty as you get older. You have some idea of what's going on and how life works by the time you hit 19, 20. So it's, it's, it is, it's easy to help them because there's whatever they're going through. You went through the same thing last week, just a, you know, a more mellow experience a little bit. Erica, thank you so much for, for joining us on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, and you're, you know, I've always, we, we went someplace different. I, I love talking about this because I never know where it's going to go or what you guys hear. Um, I, I love what you guys share. And I think your, your story about your daughter and the t-shirt is, um, that's a great story. Thank you for your guys' contribution. It was fun to talk about. And thank you for having me. Thank you. It's been great, Erica. Thank you. You've been listening to Under the Noise. I'm Kate Roberts. I'm here with my co-host, Wynn Morgan. And we were joined by Erica Bugby. If you have any questions or comments or um, anything that you love to share, any ideas after listening, um, please reach out to Wynn and I. And uh, if there's anything that you'd love for us to chat about, um, email us as well. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.